ways. So while you're standing, please turn to 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 15. The power of prophetic praise. Amen. I'm going to show you how powerful what you're about to do is. Man, the kingdom of darkness is being shaken by this prayer chain. You can just, you can sense the difference. As you pray, you can tell. It's awesome. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 3. And I'll start with verse 14 so you'll get the context tonight. <clears throat> Praise and worship is something the enemy wants to shut down right at the start. Have you ever noticed when you come to church... Man, you may be praying in that prayer chain and feeling fired up and anointed. But as soon as you walk through the church doors, all of a sudden something comes on you. Have you ever noticed that? And all of a sudden you feel lethargic. You don't feel like doing much. You really don't feel like worshiping. Has that ever happened to you before? And then as you start worshiping God, all of a sudden something breaks. And then you say to yourself, now I'm ready. I'm ready now. Well, that thing that comes on you is the enemy trying to shut your praise down before you ever get started with it because he understands the power of praise because he used to lead it. But you took his place. <clears throat> In 2 Kings chapter 3, from just the next few minutes... Verse 14, and Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth. How many believe he lives? Look at your neighbor and say, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. He's the Lord of hosts and he liveth. Elisha said, before whom I stand. Surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. But now bring me a minstrel. That's somebody that can play a musical instrument. A praiser. A worshiper. Now why would this prophet need a praiser or a worshiper? To create an atmosphere. For what? The prophetic. And we're getting ready to have this prophecy conference. Crusade. And Brother Mahaney is going to be preaching it. And as we worship and we praise God. It's going to set the atmosphere for the prophetic to go forth. So you play a very, very important role. As to what is happening now. And what is going to happen in this crusade. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Upon who? Elisha. While that man was praising and playing and singing the prophetic, the power of prophetic praise, the anointing came on that man. See, any service, it's never a one-man show. When we have church... You have the awesome, awesome opportunity of creating an atmosphere in the spirit that will see a prophetic unction of God take place upon the man of God. It, if it were automatic, Elisha wouldn't, wouldn't have said, bring the praiser. It's not automatic. And I saw a spirit sitting on somebody right now, and I just blew him out of the water. I, listen to me tonight. The enemy's not going to have his way in this house tonight. There's no way. And hold on, hold on, hold on. You might have carried some of them in with you tonight, but before the service is over, you're not going to walk out with them. Some of you carried junk in here tonight. But before it's all over, you're not going to carry junk out of here. You're going to see that junk defeated in your life praise God give the Lord a praise and a shout in this house the power 
of prophetic praise. And after that, I'm not, I don't have time to preach the context of the text to you. But he, he got a word from God. He said, dig a bunch of ditches. And before it was all over, the enemy was defeated. But it's not automatic. God said it, but it's not automatic. Praise God. Zephaniah 3. And verse 17, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Say it with me, the Lord thy God. Now look to somebody. Look at somebody and say, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice. Over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Give God praise. And before you sit down and look at your name and say, tell him it's not automatic. You may be seated. God can say it in his word. He can prophetically declare it. But it's not automatic. There's a lot of us that walk in life. And we read something in the word of God. We read a promise in the word. And we say, okay, yeah, God, you promised me this. We close our Bibles. And we walk off and we think just because God said it that it's going to happen to us. That is not a reality. In fact, that is not Bible. I'm going to give you an example. The other morning in prayer, God began to show me something. He said, look at Moses, my servant Moses. He was a prophet. In fact, when Jesus came, Jesus' prophetic ministry was patterned after Moses. He was a prophet. Amen. Like unto Moses. And the Bible says that God gave Moses a word. Gave him a word to go into Egypt and go before Pharaoh, basically the king of the world at that time. He's got a serpent on his head. He's a type of Satan. God gave Moses a word and says, you go in before Pharaoh and you go in there and you tell him to let my people go. So Moses was armed with a word from God. And you would think that that would be all it would take. Because he's got the promise. He's got God said it. So all really, you know, you would think you'd have to just walk up there and tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh, God said, let his people go. And you would think, because God said it, that Pharaoh would say, oh, no problem. When, when do you want to go? Tonight? Tomorrow? When? You with me? But he did not do that. So Moses had to go back and back and back and back. And a major conflict between heaven and hell was taking place. Yes, he had a word. He first had to get a word from God. But what did he do with that word? He had to go tell the devil something. He had to go declare to the devil, let God's people go. And the devil did not want to lose his hold on the people of God. He wanted to keep them held fast. But God said, let them go. Release your, release your grip on my people. Let your grip be released upon my people. But guess what? The devil didn't lose his grip the first time God said it. And so the man goes back and says, loose the grip on God's people. 
He's talking to the devil. He's talking to the enemy. He's declaring what God said. But nothing's automatic. Once you get a word from God, like the prophet Moses got a word from God, then you're going to have to go to warfare and you're going to have to declare to the enemy, God says, let my people go. God says, let the healing go. God said, let the filling go. God said, let the souls be saved. God said, let the people be delivered. God said, once you get a word, you've got to go to the enemy and you've got to engage in warfare until the enemy finally has to lose his grip. He has to lose his grip. And you begin, you can start prying his hand open. And how do you do that? Armed with the word and with prayer and with praise and with worship and with fasting. He begins to lose his grip. He doesn't want to let go. And at your major conflict and major war and major engagement to from Moses finally the people of God are released they're let go now why am I telling you that because I'm trying to show you the prophetic has to have a platform the prophetic has to have a word number one then it's got to have the prayer behind the word then it's got to have the praise behind the word then it's got to have a people who understand that just because they've heard from God and have prayed and have worshipped, that doesn't make it automatic. You've got to keep doing that until he loses his grip on what he's holding. And so, I'm trying to show you what to do the next few days. You've already got a word from the Lord. You've already got direction. You're already praying 24 hours a day. You're praising him. You're praying. You've got a word from God. But now you've got to take that word and you have to enforce it. You have to enforce it in the eyes of the enemy. You've got to tell the enemy, I'm enforcing what God said. And I'm telling you tonight and tell him tomorrow and the next day, you've already lost your grip. You can't hold on anymore. You can't hold on to the backslider. You can't hold on to Odessa, Texas. You can't hold on to the lost. Because God is strong in the midst of you. And I'll show you. And I know some of you've already got, you got testimonies. If we'd have had testimony service tonight, some of you could be telling us tonight what God has done in the last couple of days in this 24-hour prayer chain. But I'm going to give you one quick testimony. Monday night, a man called me on the telephone. He said, I need to talk to you. He wasn't in denial like a lot of people are. He said, I need to talk to you, and I've never seen this man in my life. It's, well, I might have seen him, but he's not a part of our church. He's never been a part of our church. But he's a backslidden Pentecostal. And he called me up, and he, and he said, I've got to talk to you. And I said, I just felt the urgency in my spirit. So I made time for this man. We came up here, and God began to speak direction into his life. And before it was all over that night, that man prayed back through the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. He thought, he told me, he said, am I rep reprobate, Pastor? He said, I don't know if I'm reprobate. The enemy's telling me I'm reprobate. Uh, he's lying to him. And I looked at the man and I said, you will not be here tonight if you were reprobate. The fact that you are here tonight tells me you are not reprobate. And to make a long story short, I said, your better days are ahead of you, not behind you. 
and I told him he's currently divorced from his Pentecostal wife and I told him God's going to reunite your family and put your family back together he's going to make you a burning fiery flame if you'll walk with him and we walked out the door and I said I got to do one last thing I got to help you repent and then after he repented then he prayed through and he's sitting out, standing out in the front and he's speaking in tongues but here's what I want you to hear tonight he told me this he said one year ago I was sitting in a prison cell and one year ago I had it in my spirit to call you but for one year I've waited but I want you to know tonight as a church what turned it around when you started praying 24 hours a day the enemy who had been holding that man for one solid year had to let him go he could no longer hold him And it didn't even dawn on me till that Tuesday when I was praying. And God said, you've got to go to the enemy. And you've got to declare to the enemy what I've said. You've got to engage and you've got to enforce my word. And it wasn't until that time that God began to talk to me that this 24-hour prayer chain we've been on is causing the enemy to lose his grasp upon people in this city, upon the backsliders. Hallelujah! And I walked that Tuesday morning after I got through praying. I walked over there to the front uh, desk up there, you know, as you walk through the doors. And there's a Bible. It's a big old Bible laid out on the table. And the Lord said, he said, I want you to go look at that Bible. And so I, when he talks to me, I know something's there. I know he's fixing to talk to me. I know he, he's fixing to confirm something when he tells me. So I walked over there, and I read in Jeremiah chapter 50, and the, and the first verse that jumped out to me, he said, Babylon has held my people fast. And I had been praying for an hour how that God is going to lose his people. How the enemy has to lose its grip upon the people of God. And I read that verse and I didn't turn there. It was already waiting for me. God said, Babylon has held fast my people. But I, the Lord thy God, am thy redeemer. So I got good news for you tonight. That 24 prayer hour prayer chain you've been praying is causing the enemy to lose his grip. He can't hold on anymore. So keep on praying. Enforce. Enforce. It's not automatic. The revival's not automatic. You've got to enforce what God is doing. You've got to enforce the word of God in your life. But I got good news for you tonight. The enemy's losing his grip on the finances that belong to some of you. Some of you need some finances, and the enemy's losing his grip. He can't hold it back anymore, he can't hinder it anymore. Some of you need healing in your body. Guess what? The enemy can't hold you down anymore. And it's coming as a result of this prayer chain that we've been doing. So keep praying and keep worshiping and engage, hallelujah, and enforce what God has already done and what God has already said. But I'm trying to help you understand that even with Moses, a prophet of God, it was not automatic. He had a word from God, but he had to go to the enemy and say, give up the people of God. We demand revival take place in the name of Jesus. We demand that healings take place. We demand that people be filled with the Holy Ghost. We demand the enemy to let the people of God go. And so the prayer and the praise and the worship is a powerful tool that you're using right now that the enemy can't defeat he can't overcome give God some praise so I got good news for you tonight give God some praise in this house <laughs> and what's happening this week 
you're going to see the effects of it long term. It's not just going to be this weekend. This is going to go on for a long term. It's going to be a ripple that's going to continue this prayer that you're praying. I'm telling you. The enemy is losing his grip. And he knows it. He knows it. Brother Mark, last night in our trustees meeting, he started sharing with us how he's witnessing to a Wiccan on his job. This lady has a, a, a in her background, a Pentecostal background. Her father was, is, I guess, still a Pentecostal preacher. But she hates her father. And she hates church. And so she's involved in witchcraft. Are you hearing me tonight? And the reason why she hates her father is because before her father became a Pentecostal preacher, he did not treat her right. So she's got all this hatred inside of her. And she told Brother Mark, she said, there's no church like I like to attend in this area. And Brother Mark said, well, what kind of church do you like to attend? She said, I like to attend the church of Wicca. And to make a long story short, she thought that she was still saved, although she was in witchcraft. That's how messed up a person can get in their mind. And Brother Mark began to testify to her about the name of Jesus is the only way that you can be saved. Praise God. And she looked at him and she says, stop, you're messing me up. Why? Because the enemy is losing his grip. I said the enemy is losing his grip. God has heard your prayer. He's heard your prayer. He's strong in the midst of thee tonight. But see, we go through life, and when we don't see the word that God gives us come to pass, we start wondering if we even heard from God. You heard from God. You've just misunderstood. You've got to engage the enemy. You've got to enforce. You've got to tell the enemy, loose it and let it go. And that comes by prayer, and it comes by praise, and it comes by worship. It's not automatic. You've got a sickness or a disease you're dealing with. You can't just pray one prayer. Say, okay, I got a word from God. That's, that, that's going to be healed. And, and think everything's going to be all right. Man, you have got to engage in warfare against that sickness. You've got to engage in warfare against that disease until the enemy lets them go. I feel something breaking in this house tonight. And we're going to worship the Lord tonight. And you're going to see a powerful atmosphere. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the worship of his people. Elisha said, get me a praiser. If you get me a praiser, I know God's going to lay his hand on me. But until I get a praiser in the house, the hand of God, Elisha understood the hand of God would not come upon him. That's why you're so important, friend. Give God some praise. Because you're creating the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. In the midst of all kinds of other kingdoms. When you praise God in music and song. Are you hearing me tonight? It is to be God glorifying. It has to have the message of God in it. And ultimately the reason why you're singing it's not just to be God glorifying and to give the message of God in that music. But it is so that people can be reconciled to God's kingdom. We are going out there. We're going to have a tent revival. A tent crusade. And in case you think it's automatic. 
You think it's automatic that they're just going to drive up and put the tent up and we're going to be, you know, no obstacles and no struggles to have this. I'm going to let you know tonight it's not automatic. I've already run into some stuff already. I've already run into some snags already. That's why the tent ain't out there right now. Hallelujah. It's not automatic. But what we're doing is we're getting out of the camp by going out there. We're getting out of the camp. Now, when I say there's snags, that doesn't mean the tent's not going to be up. It's just not up right now. It's not automatic. You understand what I'm trying to get a hold get you to understand? And we are taking what we are, the kingdom of God, and we're taking it to the streets. We're going without the gate. Hebrews 13 talks about go without the gate. We're leaving the confines of this environment and we're taking it to the streets. We are literally battling for the street. Look at your neighbor and say, we're battling for the street. And in order to battle for the street, you've got to get out of the church four walls. And that's what we're doing. And we're doing it during the Feast of Tabernacles. And so what we're saying is, God, tabernacle with us. We're doing it during the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the time, the feast that presents God's kingdom. We're taking the kingdom of God to the streets. We're taking the battle to the streets. I got a question for you. Whenever y'all are singing and praising God, I got a question for you. Do Christians have a particular style of music? If you were to hear music, sit down, you can sit down. If you were to hear music, if you didn't know the lyrics, could you say that's Christian? You couldn't. You couldn't. Because Christians don't have a particular style of music. What lets you know that the music is Christian or godly or kingdom is the lyrics that are in the music. There is no particular dispensation of time that the church can look back to and say that is the kind of music the church uses or sings or plays. No such thing. And I hear somebody say, well, what about it Jewish? Praise the Lord. The music don't make it what it is. There is no such thing as Christian music so to speak mm -mm. no because we're not talking about style when you talk about praise and worship unto God you're not talking about style you're talking about function what makes the difference is the function the music is used for I can listen to a certain style of music and I can say that's you know like kind of like country that's kind of like the Spanish Tejano or that's kind of like rock or whatever you know what I'm saying and here we go people start playing it in the church it's got a Tejano style to it it's got a rock style to it and oh yeah they want to get into a big discussion and a big debate we don't believe that that style of music should be in the church what are you talking about Christian music doesn't have a style. I said it doesn't have a style. You can't listen to music and say that's Christian. Because it's not the style that makes it Christian. It's the function that makes it Christian. Give God some praise. And if you're going to battle for the street,
then you have to use the style of the street but use it with a proper function and when you use it for a proper function then it becomes a servant to the kingdom when you take any style of music and use it for ministry then that music because you're using it in ministry becomes what kingdom it doesn't matter what style it is because there was not God does oh yeah and people want to get caught up in that well I don't think we ought to have that style of music you're messed up man because it's not Christian and non-Christian it's not Christian and secular it's about function as soon as you bring that style of music into Christian ministry then it becomes kingdom give God some praise it then becomes a servant to God's kingdom it's function that's important do you understand and I've been in different discussions you know with different preachers you know and they say well I don't think that we ought to have this style of music in our churches and I don't think we ought to sing that style of music amen and I'm sitting there thinking friend you don't understand that it's not style but it's function as soon as you bring in his style, it becomes, a, if you use it in ministry, then it becomes a, in a servant role to the kingdom of God Almighty. You have to understand that. If you're going to understand the power of prophetic praise. The prophetic praise takes on many kinds of styles. When David Huff was here and he was playing that night, that guitar. David Huff, the former singer of David and the Giants, when we had him last October, and he started playing that electric guitar, I want you to know that man was prophesying with that instrument. There was a prophetic anointing upon that man as he was hitting those chords. And after he got through praying, I went back to start talking, and the power of the prophetic fell on me, and I started speaking into his life. And you know what he said? He said, a man in another place told me the very same thing that you just told me. You know why? Because it's not style, but it's function. And when you take style into ministry, then it becomes a servant to the kingdom of God for a prophetic praise. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Music is powerful. David used it to heal with. There's a man by the name of Saul. Saul. He's demon possessed. But when David starts playing his music, Saul is healed. That devil has to leave the house as soon as the music's played. Because music is powerful for healing. It's powerful for the prophetic when you sing prophetically what you're doing is you sing songs that are warning people you sing songs about the second coming of Jesus Christ you sing songs about the justice of God you sing songs of comfort and edification to the body and that's the prophetic you can sing a song that teaches. Moses had a song in the Bible. They call it the song of Moses. Deuteronomy 32 and 33. The song of Moses was written to teach you something. Give God some praise. Music can preach. Music preaches. It builds. It takes the gap between man and God. And it builds a bridge between God and man. When you sing praises. Give God praise. It becomes priestly. It becomes priestly when you worship him. When you worship him. The word worship literally means worthy ship. 
you have placed value on something you place value on someone when you worship someone you said he's worthy ship he's of great value to me that's why I'm going to sing to him that's why I'm going to praise him that's why I'm going to worship him because he's of great value to me I'm a priest of the Lord I'm a prophet of the Lord I'm a teacher of the Lord come on somebody I'm a healer of the Lord God Almighty when I sing. Trying to show you something. It's not just getting up there and just singing because of talent. Give the Lord a hand clap praise. The meaning of all music is not found in the style. The meaning of all music is found in the person. Do you hear what I say? The meaning of music is found inside of me. It's found inside of you. So when somebody's singing about God, oh, I know what that's all about. Ooh, yeah, because the meaning is inside of me. And it can be spectator kind. Or it can be participator kind. And the spectator kind of singing and praise is when people get up and display their talent. And that's, it's okay to have talent because talent is musical intelligence. We need musical intelligence. We need somebody that can carry a note when they sing. If they're going to sing a solo, give me somebody that can carry a note and even knows what a note is. That's why I'm not up here. I'm called to preach, not sing. But you know what? I know how it's supposed to be done. Why do I know how it's supposed to be done? Because it's revealed by the Spirit. I can't carry a, a, a tune in a bucket, man. But I know how it's supposed to be done. And you need talent that's sanctified to God. You need musical intelligence. You need somebody that knows how to carry a note. Somebody that knows a little bit about what they're doing. Hallelujah. But that's not where it stops. Because it's not just getting up and performing for spectators. That's the way most churches operate. The choir gets up and sings and they perform for the people. And the people watch. What we're supposed to be doing is not just being a spectator, but being participators. Now watch this. So that when y'all get up here and sing, sing in a way that you're not just trying to, you know, let the people watch you. But sing with anointing. Sing with power. And when you do, they will not just watch what's happening. They will become participators in what's happening. And so in this crusade we're going to have, when the choir comes forth, you're going to sing, uh, not just to be seen. You're going to sing uh, to... Set a platform and a stage for everybody that's out there to praise and worship God. To create a prophetic atmosphere of praise so the word can go forth in power. In the kingdom of God there should not be any spectators. There should not be any bench warmers. There should not be any pew sitters in the kingdom of God. You are called to engage. You are called to what? Participate. But it, it, it starts with the choir. It starts with the singers. It starts with the soloist. It don't start with you. Because they set the tone. If they get up here and... Jesus loves me. This I know. More the Bible tells me so. Little one 
Aren't, aren't I good? See me? No, 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 no. You, you, the same thing's going to happen that just happened right there. You're going to shock them. You're going to shock them, and they're going to be sitting there saying, poor, poor man. Poor, poor woman, poor woman. Oh, bless us. And, and you might hear from the congregation, bless them, Lord. You always know when you're preaching good or singing good, when you hear somebody in the choir say, bless them, Lord. <laughs> when you get up and sing in the choir, you get up there and you let it come forth as a mighty praise unto God. And if you do, everybody that's out there, I don't care if you can sing the best. You need music intelligence. And some of musical intelligence is knowing when you can't sing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've got a little bit of musical intelligence. That's why I don't sing. Until I get drunk. Okay, if I get drunk, then I might let one fly. <laughs> Are you here tonight? But you get up here, and you're not really looking at yourself. You're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about, you know, how, how good you're going to do or whatever. It's not about that. It's about we're fixing to create an atmosphere of prophetic praise. And everybody in the house can join in and feel the anointing and the power and the presence of God. It can be God glorifying. It can be God's message. And it can see people reconciled to the kingdom. Give the Lord praise tonight. So it is not just for the spectator. It's for the participator. Now, how does it start with you, the singer? Now, I'm getting here. I'm doing this tonight because that's where you are. That's what you're going to be doing. Hallelujah. You're going to be praising and singing. How does it start with you? Well, you can come up there and you can be pro predictive. 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 And what that means is this, that you've got everything exactly, just exactly the way you want it. You can predict from point A to point B every note, how you're going to sing it, how you're going to do it, how you're going to move your hand. In the middle of the song, you're going to lift your hand like this. And at the end of the song, you're going to go like that. And you might give a little jig every once in a while. I mean, you got it predicted exactly. You've thought it through, man. All day long, you've been worrying about it. You've been fretting about it. Oh, Lord. okay, so, and Brother Cardoza is playing his little harmonica thing, and he goes, He's got it predicted in his mind. When I get to this point in the song, I'm going to go, woo, woo, woo. I've been going, nee, 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 but when I get there, I'm really going to let him have it. Woo, woo, woo. And so they've got it down every step of the way exactly like they want it to come forth. It's predictive. Yeah. Give God some praise. I said, give God some praise. That means it's well defined. You've got it defined perfectly. Yeah. But if you will come as a singer, as a choir singer, or a player, whatever, and you will be flexible. You have to learn to be flexible. You can't stand there like a statue. You've got to learn to become flexible. You've got to learn to let loose a little bit. Praise God. Get a little spontaneity about you. Praise God. And if you're flexible, that means you stand there with the unexpected in your spirit. I'm flexible because I'm expecting something to happen. That I'm not expecting to happen. 
So you can be predictive or you can be flexible. And church, what you have to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night is flexible. You have to be able to be moved by the Spirit of God. You have to be in a place where it's not just defined and it's not just rigid, but God can move on you and something can cause you to dance and shout. Defined is knowing exactly where the tape is and never move from the tape. Hallelujah. But flexible is when the sister comes and takes a run off of a five-foot platform truck. <laughs> she runs and she leaps off a five-foot stage. Her dress goes flying. She goes falling. She goes rolling. And somebody's got something to cover her with. Praise the Lord. That's flexible. I was in a general conference one time where people from Ethiopia, Tekla Miriam and his group from Ethiopia were in that conference and they stood up and when they started singing, it wasn't defined. It was flexible. And all of a sudden, as they were singing praises unto God, the power of God hit them. And one by one by one, every one of those singers fell to the stage and the power of God hit the whole conference. Give God praise in the house. You must be flexible. Some people come to church. As soon as they walk in the church door, they've already determined exactly how much movement they're going to move all night. They've seen themselves all day long sitting in the same place. They see themselves every once in a while. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's about it. Two praises the Lord and they're finished. You have to allow for the moving of God's spirit. You have to let God break in anytime he wants to break in. You've got to let God break in. And you've got to be sensitive to when he's breaking in. But if everything is so defined, he can't break in. Because you won't let him break in. I'm talking about the power of prophetic praise here tonight. Give the Lord a hand clap praise. The worship and the singing and the praise, number one. Look at your neighbors. It has to be Christ-centered. And it must be God-directed. Christ-centered and God-directed. Don't just sing to people. Sing to God. Like you're standing before the throne of God Almighty. It must be God-directed. And then it must be Spirit-empowered. To be worship, it has to be Christ-centered, God-directed, and Spirit-empowered. Spirit-empowered. We call it anointing. You know what anointing is? Spirit-empowered. Spirit-empowered. God have mercy. Give the Lord a hand clap praise. Woo. And when you get through, and I've got to get through quickly because y'all are fixing to do all this singing and praising. And you're going to do what I just preached. When you get through, you shouldn't have ever hair in place. Uh-uh. You shouldn't be able to walk away from that like you just sat down at the table and ate a ham sandwich. Oh, I mean turkey sandwich. 
When you, get that, when you get to that place where it's Christ-centered, God-directed, and Spirit-empowered, you're going to walk out of there exhausted. Because there's no way the power of God can come on you and you still have strength. You can't, you shouldn't walk away from there as physically strong as you were before. You should be, oh man, whoosh. There's sometimes after a Sunday when I preach twice that day, that next Monday I can't even hardly get up out of bed. I am so totally exasperated and totally exhausted. I can't hardly do anything else. You know why? Because the anointing of God. You cannot contain the spirit of the living God. despise not prophesying and you try to hold back and quench the Holy Ghost then you walk away like you ate a sandwich at lunch but when you give yourself to God and you're Christ-centered God-directed and spirit-empowered you're gonna walk out of there and you're gonna feel like you ran a hundred-yard dash full blast I'm telling you the truth I'm telling you the truth and your hair is not going to be perfect. You might be perspiring just a little bit. You might be sweating just a little bit. But you gave yourself to God. And when you did, God moved and the people moved. And you moved. If you don't have enough for God to move you, then you don't have enough for God to move them. Did you hear what I said? If you don't have enough God to move, there ain't no way you're going to move anybody else. You've got to have enough God in you that's going to move you. And if it moves you, then it's going to move somebody else. You, and you cannot wait for the church to get wild. You can't wait for the feeling. You can't wait for when God moves on you. We don't have time for that. And that's not the way it works. If I did that, I would never preach. You know why? Because I don't wait for God to move on me. I step out in faith and I engage in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I go after God. I go after him violently. Say violent. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. You got to take it by force. It's not automatic. You got to take it by force. I said it's not automatic. You got to take it by force. Are y'all here tonight? Give the Lord some praise. You gotta take it by force. It's not automatic. You've got a word, but the enemy's gonna say, No, I'm not gonna let you go. You've gotta take it by force. I said, You gotta take it by force. God, I feel. Can I explain something to you? Every time we have church, I expect the move of God. I never come in here waiting for you to do something. I never come in here and wait till Sister Celia goes, Woo! I don't ever do that. You know what? I come here to create my own fire. Don't wait for him to start shouting out there. Don't wait for him to start praising out there. You create the fire. You create the praise. You create the prophetic atmosphere. You are responsible to take it by force. And at the end of giving yourself to God, there will be the fruit that follows. And you know what fruit is, don't you? It is the product of a season of labor. And some of you are exhausted tonight. You came to church, you were tired. Because you've been praying 24 hours a day. 
Some of you been praying weird hours of the night. And you came in here, you're tired. Your body's in shock. Your body doesn't even understand what you're doing to it. The reason why our bodies don't understand what we're doing to them is because they've just never been this way here to poor. <laughs> they've never been drug out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. Day after day after day. They've never gone through this before. That's why you're tired. But when you get tired, watch this. At the end of this 24-hour prayer chain we've got going on, you're going to start getting tired. You're going to start getting weary. The Lord said to tell you tonight, that's when you need to get violent. That's when you need to exercise. That's when you need to engage. Because if you don't, you're going to let your body dictate to you the dimension you move in. First, two, first couple of days, oh, yeah, boy, you feeling God. Oh, all of a sudden, oh, it just kind of got, mm, yeah. Mm, oh, Jesus, what time is it now? Huh? Oh, five more minutes to go. Uh, I know what I'm talking about. I'm with you. I'm a human being too, man. I'll walk back here. I'll look at that clock about ten times. Are you with me? From 6 to 7 in the morning. Hallelujah. I walked up there and said, oh, okay, I got 15 more minutes. And I got to make it. To the you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then at lunchtime, you know, lunchtime comes along. I got to go 12 to 1 now. Okay, 12 to 1. Woo, yeah. Lord, help me get through this one. <laughs> I got to get through this one. Help me get through it. And then 12 o'clock at night comes along. And I go, go from 12 to 1 that, at that time. Oh, my body is saying, you're so tired. You are so tired. There's no way that you can get up for this one. But I drag my carcass out of the bed, you know. And I come to the church. And I prayed. But it wasn't real fervent. So I made a promise to God. I said, God, tomorrow I'll get fervent. <laughs> So I know what I'm talking about because I'm just like you. I got the same kind of body you got. It gets tired too. But I'm here to tell you the Lord is saying to us, don't get weary in this last day or two. Keep on praying this prayer chain. Keep on praising. Keep on singing. Keep on worshiping. Because the enemy's getting weaker than you are. He's losing his strength. He's losing his grip on the backslider. He's losing his grip on the lost. He's getting so weak. He's trying to hold on, but he can't hold on. That's why you can't quit. So now we're about ready to see some fruit. The product of a season of labor. A manifestation of the harvest. That's what fruit is. A manifestation of the harvest. And so we're having this tent crusade. In the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And that is the season of harvest. I believe that God's going to see a fruit. He's going to bring fruit to you. There's going to be a product of your season of labor. Give God some praise. And why it is so important for us to sing and praise and create the atmosphere for the prophetic word is because in your left brain, look at your neighbor and say, you got a left brain. Your left brain is for speech. Your right brain is for music. So when you start worshiping God and you sing and you're praising and we're worshiping God with you and singing and praising. Our right brain is engaged. Our emotions are touched. And when the word goes forth, the left brain is engaged for speech. And so then you can think about what's, what you're hearing. And you can interact with what you're hearing. Because emotionally you are prepared by praise. Bring forth the minstrel, said Elisha. Bring forth the praiser. Bring forth the singer. Then I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. Come on, somebody. And Zephaniah, the last thing I want to show you about the power of prophetic praise in verse 17. Choir, get ready. Come on up. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. 
He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee, over thee with singing. God sings. I don't know if you know it tonight, but God sings. And as you're singing and praising the Lord, if you get to a place that you start hearing God sing, that means he's just invited you into the most holy place. You are in the throne room dimension. You are in the kingdom of God operation. If you can hear God sing, you know you made it to where you're supposed to make it. And it's not just talent, but it's glory. Give God some praise. Come on, choir. So we're going to sing tonight. We're going to celebrate tonight. We're going to rejoice tonight. We're going to smile tonight. We're going to thank the Lord tonight. Are you ready? I said, are you ready?